This month has been, uh, our theme this month has been fall in love with the house and understanding really what that means. And we're, we've put that together with the end of the month being our heart for the house offering. And Dr. Evanzini ministered last Sunday. What a great message about that precious offering. Yes, it was a great word that he brought to us. If you weren't here, you can go online and, and, and download or just listen to that message. And uh, it, was a, it was a great word. week before that, the first Sunday of this month, we talked about having a heart for the house, individually having a heart for the house of God. And I, this morning, I, I want to just review a couple of points and just remind you of some things that, that we talked about uh, in, in that last message as we go into to our message for today. Um, 1 Kings chapter 9, we're not going to turn there. I'm just reminding you of, of each of these. But in 1 Kings 9, 1 through 4, we talked about how that Solomon built a house. He built a place that his daddy bought the land for and actually provided all of the money for. And then Solomon constructed that house. And the statement in the the statement here in First uh, Kings chapter nine said that the eyes of the Lord are on His house, and His heart is in His house perpetually. In other words, forever. That His eyes are on His house, and His and, and I mean, his, his eyes are on the house and his heart is in the house. Then we talked about in the New Testament in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, and it says this, that the house of God, that his eyes and heart are on and in, perpetually, meaning forever, the house of God is the church, the institution or the pillar of truth, where the truth comes from. In the light of the New Testament, the house of God is not just a house, a building that is constructed, but it's where people gather. That's the house. So this room, this building here on this hill, this place is, a, is the place where the church, which is the house of God, meets. But we realize that even though I'm the church, you're the church, we make up the church of Jesus Christ. We're the church. And God's eyes and his heart are on and in his house, his church perpetually. Then we talked about in Ephesians 1 and verse 22 and 23 that the Father gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church and the next words are, which is his body. God gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is the house of God, but is also his body in the earth. And then we talked about in Matthew 16 that God said, I am building my church. God is building his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Now, when we find out that the gates of hell can't prevail against what God is building, I don't know about you, I was born at night, but not last night, right? And I can pretty well figure out that I need to be involved in what he's building. Not building something unto myself, not building something that is separate from his anointing, and his spirit and his purpose in the earth. Because if I get busy building something that he's not building, then I'm building something unto myself that no matter what comes, when the rains and the storm and, the, and, and difficult times or whatever come, you don't have anybody to relate to and to rely on and put your strength and confidence in, you're going to do it on your own. 
And, and I'm just telling you today, I'm not, saying it in, I'm not saying this in a negative way. I'm saying that we've got to be about what he's about. And we've got to be involved in what he's building. So we see that his house is his church, which is his body that he's building that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. So we've got to see from the word what is this house and what does it look like and how much importance do we have to put on and in what is being built in regards to the house, the church, which is his body. Amen? Now, if you've been around here very long, say 24 years, um, if you've been around here more than a, a year or two, you know that we read this passage of Scripture that I'm going to read right now a lot. And God showed me something probably about four or five years ago about this passage of Scripture. He showed me something in this one verse that I feel like I've, I've had more people tell me that they don't understand what I'm saying when I talk about this one verse or the point that I'm making here than probably I have ever had that I can ever remember. I've had so many people say, you know, Pastor, I heard what you said, but I just don't understand what you're meaning by that. So I'm going to give it another shot. <clears throat> and it's in 1 Corinthians 11. And if you start reading from the 23rd verse, if you're ever around here and when we're partaking and participating in communion, we always read verse 23 through 25, which talk about what the cracker or the juice, whatever it is that you're, you're using for communion, what they represent. And he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, do this in remembrance of what my body and my blood accomplished for you. And then when you go to verse 27, it says this, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. And here, here's the phrase, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. Now, we know that the context that this, the context that this is written in is talking about the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that was offered at Calvary, that he chose to offer himself for mankind at Calvary, that was beaten and tortured and whipped, and, and, and then what his body accomplished at the cross, went to hell, rose again on the third day, came to the earth for 40 days, ascended upon high, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and the words were declared that his body completed what all of mankind needed since Adam and Eve lost the authority that God had given them in the garden. Pretty simply, that's what happened, okay? So, not discerning the Lord's body as it says here in this 29th verse, it says in verse 30 and 31, for this reason many are, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Because we don't discern the Lord's body and what it accomplished, there are many that are weak, meaning powerless, sick, no authority to overcome things that come against our bodies or our minds, and many sleep, people that are sleep are people that are frustrated and in fear and in torment of the enemy and can't do anything. And, and what happens is when we don't understand on a day-to-day -day basis what he accomplished for us, then we're in a sleep mode. We're in a powerless mode. 
We're, we're in a sick mode where we're, we're, there's no ability to overcome through what Jesus accomplished. Why? Because we don't discern the body of Jesus Christ correctly. Now, this is where, when I've explained this, there's been some confusion, and I, I want to I make my point. I'm not taking away from the fact that this passage of Scripture is talking about what his natural physical body accomplished. Because it had to, or you and I wouldn't have nothing to draw from where our ability to overcome is concerned. That's what he's talking about. But when we just talked about the three things that really are one, the house, the church, and the body, they're, they're, they're separate, but they're one. Okay? And from Old Testament to New Testament, we see that God's eyes and His heart are forever. No matter, no matter whether the covenants changed, and they did, and the New Testament or the New Covenant fulfilled, it didn't do away with the old, it fulfilled it. Okay? So we see that those two covenants actually became one through Jesus Christ. So everything that we read Old Testament, okay, we have to read through the eyes of what Jesus accomplished so we don't misunderstand things that may have been for people before Jesus came. So you can see today where people can read Scripture and not discern it correctly. Well, you know, Pastor, that's just your interpretation. Okay, whatever. But people will read Scripture and not discern it correctly because they're not discerning it through the revelation of what Jesus accomplished, okay? But what he accomplished and empowered mankind, and that's what he was telling his disciples, he said, it's going to profit you that I go away, because when I go away, I'm going to leave the comforter to live inside of you. Same spirit that is in me today is going to come and live inside of you. And now, miracles and manifestation won't just happen through me, but it'll happen wherever you are because of the same spirit. But now what he did is one man, it takes all of us to do together. I'm going to say it again. What he did is one person, now collectively, we're all those parts that make up the one. The reason that you have to have a house, you have to have a place, is because we've got to have room individually to practice on each other. Reason you, you know, this morning, all over town, there's close to a hundred churches this morning in about a 15 to 20 mile radius around where we are right here. In about 15, 20 mile radius, there's over a hundred churches. And there are different places, congregations to meet because there's different personalities and different preferences right? But we make up, we make up the house of God, the church, and the body of Jesus Christ collectively. But there'll never be, ever, one church in a town, when you think of a church meaning one congregation. How boring. It needs to be different, right? People need to have different types of places where they can go and worship and connect and find where they need to be and then get planted in that house. But so, but the purpose is not for us to stay inside of these walls. The purpose is that we learn to live with each other and love each other in spite of each other, okay, in spite of our differences, and be able to leave this place and make a difference everywhere we go. Because where I go, you don't go and vice versa, right? We all go different places, different groups of people, and then, and then when there's other things that are going on in the world of the church, we can connect with the rest of the church, you see? And God made it that way. But if we don't discern, listen, we've got to discern what the, the physical body of Jesus Christ accomplished for us, but then his physical body became a spiritual body. And now, now, what represents the church, okay, is you and I together, but it's based on the Spirit of God that's inside of us. You see? So if we don't discern the house, the church, his body correctly, 
we're going to remain weak and sick and sleeping. Okay? We've got to discern if we had a communion table up here and we had crackers and juice like we do at the end of the, each month here and we were passing those around, it's, it's, to, it's to, he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of what I accomplished, okay? So that when things come against you, you don't have to tolerate things if you realize that his body and blood accomplished these different things. So the more I understand that, the more authority I have over issues of life. But the purpose of the house, the church, his body, okay, which is us, and us meeting here together to hear word like this, the purpose of this, okay, is that we rise up and let the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness know that they're defeated and we're victorious, And now we're taking our victory and demonstrating that victory everywhere we go. And if the church does that, there's no defeat. I didn't say there's not difficulty. I said there's no defeat. Because the Bible says if you don't quit in your process of attempting to accomplish the things that you believe God has told us, told you to do, that he's told us to do, if you don't quit, you'll reap. We will get to the end of everything, and then there's new things to start to get to the end of, you see? But God wants us to do it collectively, and that's the purpose of the church, which is his body. And if we don't discern now what the body of Jesus Christ is, see, we could have a cross up here in the middle, and we could have his, his dead body hanging on that cross so that we remember what he did all the time. That's not what he wanted us to do. He wanted us mentally and spiritually to take him off the cross, realize that he went and accomplished something, and now get the vision of where he sits today. He sits at the right hand of the Father, representing you and I in all power, dominion, and authority, giving us the ability to overcome every situation that we face. And I'm telling you, sitting in here today, every one of us got some stuff. Don't raise your hand, but who's got some stuff today? We don't want people looking around, oh man, what's wrong with them? Yeah. You might raise your hand and the person next to you didn't, they just didn't have the guts to raise their hand. Everybody's got some stuff. We got things we're dealing with, we got mindsets, we got things that are frustrating us, you know, marriage relationships, friendship, family relationships, parent-children relationships, I mean, all kinds of stuff and things going on, but I'm telling you, God is the answer and has the answer and will give it to us as, as we value what he's building and he's building his church. And I'm telling you that gates of the city, okay, is a place that is a representation of what God is building. And if his heart is in this place and his eyes are on what we're doing and he'll always be there, then we want to be and stay connected to that. What's important is that you find individually where you're supposed to be to be planted so that you can be connected. Our vision all year at Gates has been, number one, to have to be going after the one, as it talks about in Luke 15. Go after one. Have somebody that you're, you know, you can have five ones. But have people that your mind is on, that you're thinking about, that you're praying for. Somebody that you may not even know. Somebody that you go through a drive through and get coffee somewhere and you just, your, your heart's for that person. And you know, you, you spend about 30 seconds with them maybe every day or every other day. But there's something that's happening there. And have that one in the back of your mind so when an opportune time comes that you can just be able to have relationship and share with people. I've done that all my born-again life. Over 35 years, I've done that. Always had somebody that I was looking at and watching for. I'm not talking about preaching to them. I'm talking about letting your life and who you are and who God is in you come out in a natural way that they can want what you have, you see? And it takes understanding how to do that. And the second thing that we've talked about all year is developing right relationships. We started connect groups um, here in Gates in July, 
And uh, I, I don't know, we've got 10 or 11 of those connect groups started where there's eight or ten, uh, seven or eight people in each of those connect groups. And, you know, we've started those, and some of them have struggled a little bit to get off the ground, but don't stop. Keep coming to those, and, and you leaders keep, keep doing as we've instructed you to do to keep encouraging people to come, because I tell you what, developing relationship with people that don't think like you, look like you, wear what you have, or anything else is very difficult to do. What our tendency is, we gravitate toward people that look like us, think like us, and like all the things that we like, right? And so in these connect groups, nobody knows who they're going to get with. So if you're at a Starbucks Connect group and you're sitting down and you're thinking, well, well I, I, I wanted those other people. <laughs> no, you got to get out of that. you got to get rid and get free of that thing so that you can just, just get to know people. Because listen, there's some people that think totally different than you do that got some things that you need. And one of the greatest revelations that some of you will ever get is that you have some things that some people that don't think and look and act and talk like you need from you. That's, right. That's why we've got to stay with it. Don't, don't get discouraged. Well, you know, Pastor, there's, there's eight of us, but three showed up. Do it again. It's just once a month for an hour and a half. See, not wearing anybody out with these things, just developing relationship. So why? That the third thing that we've talked about this year, that people's lives can be discipled. Foundation can be laid in their hearts through one-on-one. -on -one. You can sit through, we've taught foundation classes in this body for years. We've been here for 24 years and we've taught all kinds of foundation classes, but there's nothing like foundation being built one-on-one. -on -one. Nothing like, I mean, you need the teaching, I'm not saying that. You need the teaching, you need to hear it. There's nothing like being able to talk with somebody one-on-one -on -one and them give you advice about something that you're struggling with that you just don't understand, like 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-nine. I'm not getting that. It's okay. You know, that's all right. See, as a pastor, you think when God gives you revelation about something that he gives it to everybody else. Eh. Not. Doesn't work that way. So as I'm sharing things with you, you, know, you may hear something, and, and you might write something down, and it really just jump out at you, and the person sitting next to you thinking, what was that? What was he, what, what was he even saying? You know, write it down, you know, and you watch. As you, as you get connected and you get planted in the house, things will get answered. You know why? Because you'll have somebody. Or you'll be in a connect group, and there's a conversation. Wow, that, that came up. That, that was the thought that I had. Yay. Hmm? So you got to stay with it. Now. Just for the next few minutes, I'm going to give you our whole, our whole theme and, 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 and our message this month is fall in love with the house and the, and the reasons why, okay? And so, you know, I've already preached half my message and now I'm going to give you the title of it. <laughs> um, but the, the title today and I'm just going to give you these five points, and I'll be done. Is this. How to fight for the house. How to fight for the house. Okay, so that title, may, you may think that, you know, okay, so we're going to, I'm going to, Put on boxing gloves, and I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to find some of these MMA guys, and they're going to teach me how to fight, you know, and do, uh, no, no, no. But, but, but here, here is the list. There's five things that, five things that are the hindrance. Last week, we or the last time I taught this, I talked about the diff difference in vision Having vision, which evolves all the time, but then standing for a cause. Well, what we're standing for is the cause of Christ. But you have to understand what that cause is and what it looks like and what it represents. Last week we talked, and I'm not going to go into that right now, I don't have time, but you go listen to this message and understand the two and the difference in the two. But five 
hindrances to the cause of Christ and things that would disrupt that in the house where God's heart is and what his eyes are upon, what he's involved building, okay? Five hindrances to that. Number one is found in Philippians 2. And it's the word insecurity. Philippians 2 and verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming into the likeness of men. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, which was what? That you not just live your life for yourself, but you think about other people. Verse 4. One of the things that hinders the growth of people in body is insecurity in a person. Okay? Now, okay, find me a person that's not insecure, hmm? and I'll buy you a big cake. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I have never met an individual on planet earth that's not insecure in some form or another. But what I'm saying is, all right, it's one of the hindrances to the cause of Jesus Christ remaining and advancing. Because his cause, and we've talked about this all year long, his cause is two things, great commission and the great commandment. You love God, you love people, right? You love God, you love people, and you make disciples. And if something is great, there's a lot of good things in the world, but there's just not too many great things. And the great commandment and the great commission is where we need to be involved. Loving God and loving people, right? And making disciples, so, my responsibility, your responsibility, is when you identify insecurity to learn to deal with it. I can just tell you this also. You will not deal with insecurity on your own. You will remain insecure and justify your insecurity and get people around you to support that it's okay for you to be this way, but you won't call it insecurity. You'll, it'll be in the form of justification that your actions are okay. You see? And we'll always what we do is we have to make others look bad and ourselves look better or come against other people so that we feel okay. I mean, you know, I, I mean, if I'm stepping on your toes, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not telling you something that I've never struggled with. I'm telling you things that, you know what, I had to make a decision. I'm going to get over this or I'm going nowhere. And if we're going to build, if we're going to be involved in building what God is building, we can't do it with insecurity. So what does that mean? Got to get free. Where are you going to get free? Probably in a connect group. <laughs> Sipping on a Starbucks. Yesterday, we had our first golf connect group. We've got a couple of those, and, and, and it, was, it was mine. I, you know, the first connect group filled up, and I had to, I just had to sacrifice and be willing to go do it. So I, I did. And we, we had a really, 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 really great time. And, you know, nine holes of golf, and after it was over with, sat in the golf shop and watched Johnny lose for the last few minutes. <clears throat> and, uh, and we sat there, and what we do in our connect groups is we talk about something for 10 minutes or so. Somebody just brings up something in regards to what was preached in some of the last messages, maybe the last two or three or four messages, like on Wednesday or Sunday that you were in. Just a thought, just something. And I mean, man, I mean, it just, we could have sat there for two hours because everybody was connecting. You see? And, and, and you can't buy that. 
this connection, you have to work at that, but you, you, you can't manufacture connection like that. But what happens in those times is people get stuff off of them. And you know most of the time, you know how somebody gets insecurity off of them? Is when they find out that they're not the only insecure person on the planet. Number two. Found in Hebrew, in Hebrews 12. I don't know why I always call Hebrews Hebrew. I say that a lot. Hebrew. Hebrews. Hebrews decaf. Anyway. Number two is in Hebrews 12, 7. Hebrews 12, 7. If you endure chastening or discipline, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten or discipline? But if you are, chase, but, but if you, you, if you are without chastening or discipline, of which all have become partakers. Everybody say all. Okay. Then you are, what does the word say? Illegitimate. And you're not sons. Okay. The second thing is illegitimacy. Is what comes after stopping the cause of Christ. Now, everybody, based on what he said right there, has illegitimate tendencies. Everybody. Everybody. Okay? Some are more apparent than others because some will give themselves away in the first five minutes after you meet them. You can feel that they're not sons. They have no place. They feel like they're, you know, they have no connection. And so when that comes into the church world, that Ill- what, what I'm going to identify as an illegitimate personality or a spirit or an attitude, a mindset, that thing comes in and because of insecurity, illegitimacy and insecurity are kind of like twin brothers and sisters, and it comes in and it wants to appear to be a certain way and it wants to isolate, but it'll isolate through insecurity and create issues. Now, I'm not saying that because if you've got this illegitimacy or the tendency, which all of us either have or have had, okay, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, it's a real thing. And the church's responsibility is to be able to face it and help and to deal with it and bring the correction that is needed. Because if you're not corrected, that's where illegitimacy comes from. See, I was illegitimate to the core because nobody ever told me what to do as I was growing up, okay? And then when I got old enough, you didn't dare tell me anything. Do I have some of my cousins in here? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Nobody taught me anything. Nobody told me ever to do anything. I used to bring, and I've said this to my parents and my mother, I've, I've told her that I use this as an example, and she just laughs, you know, today. But I used to bring kids home from school when I was about nine or ten, and I just, I mean, I just let it go. I just cuss a blue streak in front of my mom. And she wouldn't say anything. She'd just kind of stand there and look at me, you know. And my friends couldn't believe that I could do that in front of my mom, so I just did it. Nobody ever corrected me. So what happened was illegitimacy was being developed. And so when I got old enough and you tried to tell me something, <laughs> you didn't tell me nothing. And then we'll go to fist or do whatever. I mean, that, it was like you, 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 what will happen is you'll push me to that place. When I got born again, and I wasn't saved at the time, but when I got born again, something happened, and all of a sudden, there began to be this respect inside. I don't know, even know where it came from. I never had it. And all of a sudden, there became this respect. I met my wife. She understood authority. She was under authority. And, and so there just began to be this understanding, and things began to change, and it, it's, it's what caused me to grow up. 
And that's what it takes for us to grow up. And that's what the church has to have. That's part of what the church brings to the table is being willing in love to face situations even though it upsets people and they get frustrated and sometimes it appears that they get hurt that we're going to do it for their good. See, because when you know that somebody has your best interest at heart, you can take those kind of things because you know the Bible says that without it, you can do nothing. Number three, found in Luke 17 and verse 1. This is what stops the cause of Christ, what hinders the advancement of the church, which is the house of God, which is the body of Jesus Christ that God is all about and it's what he's building. We don't want to hinder it in any way. The, the third thing is found in Luke 17, 1. Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him to whom they come. Number three is insult or offenses. And again, Show me anybody that's never been insulted or offended. Because the scripture says, well, I, I, you know, the Bible sometimes reads it backwards. I'll just say it in Texan. It says, ain't no way you're not going to be ticked. Somewhere, sometime, you're going to take an offense and be upset and frustrated with people. Okay. In other words, Jesus said, there's no way that you won't be in that place. Everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Glory to God. You know, that I'm not as bad as I appear. Right? Because people walk around thinking that they're the only ones that get offended. Because it appears like everybody else gets over things. Not so. But here's the thing. They're going to come, but the next part of that verse says, whoa. Everybody say, whoa. Whoa. Whoa, whoa man. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Anyway, I'm not sure what that means, <laughs> but, but it sounds really bad. Whoa. <laughs> but he said, whoa, through who they come, it, those offenses come through. And, you know, I, I mean, maybe, the, maybe this, isn't, this isn't doctrinally correct, but I'm just going to say it like this, okay? When, when you got things going on and you just need to stop where you're at, whoa, 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 stop. And begin to realize, okay, you don't have to do this. Because he said, you don't... The reason God always tells us ahead of time why you don't want something, you don't want to be used to be doing something, like, a, like, like bringing offense as a result of your actions, is because you reap what you sow. God knows you, we've all got issues. God knows who we are and the attitudes that we have and where we've come from in our life and who've influenced us and what we have to deal with. He knows all that. He just said, whoa, just realize not going to be good if you keep doing that and you keep sowing that seed because all that's going to happen is going to come back to you and affect and contaminate your life in a horrible way. So God says, stop it. Go and don't do it anymore. But he knows you're going to do it again, and that's why we need an advocate, one that we can go to, Jesus Christ the righteous, ask for forgiveness and be empowered to do right. But he's building what? The church, which is all of us. What the church has to bring to the table is the connection with other people so that you can deal with offense. You will not deal with offenses on your own. The importance of the church of Jesus Christ today, the importance of congregation. There are a lot of people that have run from the church. Listen, man, I've wanted to run from the church. I've been frustrated at different times with the organized church that we know of in the United States of America. I've been frustrated with it. But then God says, so you're frustrated with what I'm building. Yeah, but God, you're not building that. How do you know? How do you know? 
you let me be concerned about that. You take care of yourself, and you encourage other people to follow suit. So, okay. (laughs) So, you deal with that offense. I'm more concerned about you dealing with the offense in your heart than I am you understand all the structure and how it all works. I'm building it. You deal with yourself. And you keep offense out of you, then you're not reaping as a result of what you've sown, and then you can help other people. So when you're on the reaping end of offenses, you can't help other people get over them. Right? And I mean, we all know that. That's simple. Number four, found in 1 Corinthians 10 and 17. struggled with how to, def- how to title this. Verse 17, uh, 1 Corinthians 10. For we, though we're many, are one bread and of one body. We are all partakers of that one bread. He said... We, though many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. We are many. There's Jew, there's Gentile, there's different ones, but, we're, but we are partakers of the same bread. And here's the number four, is interpersonal relationships. You may come into a congregation and your background is you, uh, you don't like white people or you don't like brown people or you don't like Asian people or you don't like darker black colored people or you don't like this person or that person. The different relationships that we are, I, you, know, you, you, all, you all realize that we're, we're a couple, a few buckets of dirt and a few buckets of water. That's what we're physically made of. Some people, you know, were drawn from dirt on one part of the planet and other people were drawn from the dirt in another part of the planet. Some people a little lighter than others, some people a little darker than others, but there's only two races of people in the earth that I know of, and that's those who are saved and those who aren't. There is no other race. We've made that up. Man's made that up. That started with Adam and Eve after the fall that things began to happen and there were a lot of issues and things that we won't go into all that today. But these interpersonal relationships, not just with, with, not just et, with et, ethnic issues, but in every, in every realm, these different relationships that we have of where we came from and how we are raised and, and what our mindsets are, we've got to have right relationship and we've got to learn to connect with people that don't think and look or whatever like we are. And as we connect, that it's, it's the strengths on both ends that cause everything else to become better. See, if you get all the strengths in one area together, you don't get better. You just stay that one way. But when you, get, when you get people with weaknesses in one area and other people with strengths in another, that's where you grow. In a marriage relationship, if you really understand that and how each other operates and the weaknesses and the strengths of each other, you'll make each other strong and you'll get stronger because the two are made one and you'll get stronger as the one. Instead of fighting against each other, we work with each other. And that's the way it is in the church. That's why these relationships are so vitally important to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here this morning. That's why the church is here. That's why God's building his church, and we just got to be involved in what he's building. And number five, and I'll end with this, found in 1 Peter 5. First Peter 5 and verse... First Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Number five is 
the infiltration of the enemy. What, what stops the cause of Christ is where the infiltration of the enemy is allowed. Notice this verse again. My responsibility, notice, my responsibility is to, in my life, develop sobriety. I'm not talking about from alcohol. I'm talking about being sober in your thinking, okay? I mean, being sober where alcohol is concerned is a good thing too, but that's not what he's talking about. He said, <laughs> he said be sober, and he said, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Notice, he didn't say he was a roaring. He didn't say he was a lion. He didn't say he was a a dangerous lion. Lion. He is a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What the heck does that mean? That means he's looking to find people. And, and, and I'm telling you, I'm serious about this. He's looking to find people that are not connected to the house of God and they're not planted. Because that's where he can come in because you're not sure of what you believe because you're not connected and you're not developing relationships so that you can get rid of insecurities in your life. That you can get rid of the issues that want to pull you down because you're not connected to the house, then the enemy said, "There's I can get in there." I mean, connected to the house, the enemy is going to try to infiltrate your personal life uh, from every direction. But the church is bringing to the table number one, the Word of God. I mean, I mean, don't misunderstand me when I say this to you. But where? Else, are you going to hear information like I'm giving you today, and this information being at such value to your success? I'm not talking about how great I'm delivering this, okay? I'm talking about the information. It's out of the Word of God, and it can be hidden here if the church doesn't believe in itself. And set up an environment like this where we want people to come here because we want people to hear this. But we've got to believe in what God is building. He's building this thing that we're talking about. And the infiltration of the enemy wants to come in and rob you of what God destined you to accomplish. And that's why we need each other. Because, again, I'm just using a connect group as, as an example. But you can be sitting at some place where you're connecting. And again, remember, people that don't think like you and you're not sure you want to keep coming to this thing. And yet, yeah, that, that's where the temptation, well, you know, I, I, I like it better when I'm around people that do what I do. It's the worst thing that you can do. And I mean, the tendency is there. You're going to want to do that. But the more you step out of your comfort zone and step into new realms and causes you to be challenged, then you're going to find yourself where you're talking about how, you know, it's like the enemy has overtaken me in this area right here. Yeah, you know, me too. I feel so frustrated. Really? Yeah. Let's pray. Then you pray, you leave there, built up, and wow, it's like something lifted, you know? That doesn't mean the circumstance just goes away. It means that you've got, you know, you have someone else that thinks that way and that will help you and help you to get established. Not just people that will agree with you, but people agree with what it is that you're doing or the thing that you're struggling with, but people that will agree with you how to overcome and get out of it. That's what the church brings to the table. And today, this month, as we're, ta- as we're learning about what it means to fall in love with a house, we realize that God's heart is in his house. Right now, just, just sitting here, just real quiet for a second. And maybe it's just me, but and I'm not trying to be weird. <laughs> but I feel like in this setting right here, I can feel the heartbeat of God. Because I so believe what I'm telling you. 
How are people going to get free if they don't get information that's different than what they've had all their life? I spend most of my time, no, I spend a good portion of my time just hearing what God wants me to tell you. I spend a really large portion of my time just asking God, what do you want me to tell them? I could stand up here with no notes. I mean, when you do something long enough, you can just do it. I can stand up here with no notes, and I can preach one of 25 or 30 different messages on a dime. That that, That didn't impress God. I mean, anybody can do that if they set their mind to it and work at it long enough. There's nothing impressive about preaching. What you want is when whoever stands behind this pulpit, they're delivering what God wants to say to you. And that's what the church brings to the table. That's the importance of the church. And not everybody understands that. You can connect yourself just to a group of people and they all love God and that's good. All all that's good. That's, That's what connections are about. But it's another thing to connect yourself to somebody that wants you to hear what the truth is. See, because if you don't get the truth, then you remain illegitimate. And God wants us to be sons and daughters that know they're sons and daughters and that they can come right up to the table when it's feasting and eating time and we can eat because it's daddy's house And we have a right to because of the price that he paid for us. But when you're illegitimate, you got all kinds of junk just hammering you all the time, trying to convince you that you don't have a right to do that. And I say you do. Amen?